1: they can't go on. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, and This is Cutting Through the Matrix on December the 27th, 2010, and I always suggest, as always, that newcomers look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and help yourself to the thousands of well, hundreds and at least of audios I've put up there over the years, where I give you shortcuts to the big picture, lots of information to tie things together to show you basically that what you're living through in your life is a script, and the big events that happen on a worldwide scale are literally scripted long before you were born, and the social changes and all the rest of it are all part of it too, which you'll experience throughout your life. It's not guesswork I give you, uh, the big players who helped to formulate this plan and did their part in it and published their books on it too. So help yourself to those, and while you're at it too, remember you're the audience who bring me to you. I don't bring on advertisers to sell products. The ads you hear on this show are paid by advertisers to RBN for the broadcast time and for the equipment and their staff, and their bills too. So it's up to you to help me with mine, and really that they do drop off. Uh, and it 's costs a lot to do what I'm doing. And this is not a job, and it's, uh, it's bigger than a vocation. It's something that has to be done at this time uh, of the changes. That's why I came out in the first place years ago. So help me with mine, and you can do so by donating to me. You'll find how to do it on cuttingthroughmetrics.com. And remember, bookmark those other sites you see listed on that front page. They all contain audios. They all contain transcripts in English of a lot of the talks to download for print up. And if you want transcripts in other languages, go into alanwattsentinel.eu and you'll find them there. And so donate or purchase the books I have for sale, this and so on, from the US to Canada. Remember, you can use a personal check. You can also use an international postal money order from the US. Uh, you can use PayPal to order or donate. If you want to use PayPal, just send an appropriate donation. The button's there on the website and followed by an email with your name and address and order, and I'll get it out to you. And these books are not written like some dry history books. I don't bother with the dates, times, and places of generals and all the rest of it. I show you the con tricks. They're very, very ancient and have been used by those in the know for an awful long time to con the public and fool the public because we're taught to think in a linear fashion instead of going all over the place and seeing things from many different angles. That's why it's so easy to control all of us. They can predict, literally, if they give us the computer data, which is just information to your mind, and using your logic, you will arrive at this conclusion, which is the desired conclusion. And that's how simple we are, really. We're being kept that way, taught that way in school and so on. So buy the books and this, et cetera. Across the rest of the world, use the same technique, PayPal, to order with a separate email. Member donations too, just for the sake of donations, it would really be welcome as well. And you can also use Western Union for direct wire transfer. You can also use MoneyGram, which I think also does direct wire, but also does a check. If you want to post it, it's a lot cheaper. Some people just send cash, and that seems to be okay, too. And on this show, as I say, we we talk about the big picture, really. I don't tend to harp on about, oh, my God, what are they doing to us today? Because that's endless. It's every day there's new stuff, and we're like rats in a cage in a laboratory just chattering about the guys in the white suits coming in in the morning, the white coats. And saying, what are they going to do today? Are they going to nuke us? Are they going to inject us? Are they going to shock us? You see, that's how we are. We chatter about the stuff that's put out for us to chatter about. And it's time we rose out of this uh, cage we're in and started to to dictate, dictate to those who are ordering all this about in our lives. They have no right to play with our heads and play with humanity in this fashion. It's disgusting. This is not living. When you're robbed of your ability to think for yourself and it is a war on the mind, then you've been robbed of everything. And this is what they call bringing in world peace when you can't think for yourself. Back with more after these messages. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix and I hope you all had a Merry Christmas and I'm sure a few out there have a a few sore heads still lingering from it too because you got a bit too merry but as I say you only live once and sometimes uh, some people don't even live that at all so as I say I hope you wished uh, you had a good uh, Christmas and things turned out well for you but the agenda as I say goes on we've watched this for years and years and to to be honest with you too they're really on a roll now to speed everything up. There's not much opposition really, because you see they're not going across any uh, marks of, of 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 democracy of any kinds at all. They're not following any guidelines of democracy. We're opposed democratic world they claim and they're now in the times of authoritarianism and that's why they're rushing ahead with all these social changes and lies blatant lies they call it the noble lie actually they say we're too stupid to understand and go along with things for our own good therefore they have to lie to us and that's the standard rule they use that actually came out with the new american century group as well but they all use it and we've seen the scams of global warming and everything else to get carbon taxes in and there's much, much more to it, of course, as to where they want to go with it. But here's an article here, for instance, from Britain, from a newspaper, and it says, By far the biggest story of recent days, of course, has been astonishing chaos and to a greater or lesser extent on all of our lives by the fact that we are not only enjoying what is predicted to be the coldest December since records began in 1659, but also the harshest of three freezing winters in a row. We all know the disaster stories. There's thousands of motors trapped for hours on paralyzed motorways, days of misery at Heathrow, real passengers marooned in unheated carriages for up to 17 hours. But central to all this, as the cry goes up, is why it wasn't Britain better prepared it has been the bizarre role of the Met Office. The Met Office, of course, are the guys who pirate the, the East Anglia universities lies. About global warming is they fudge their fingers their, their figures and put it into those strange computers, specially built to give them the answers they want. And part of the problem is, too, that Britain and other countries are in such a chaos. has been planning for this global warming, but it's been a great excuse, too, to save money on grits and all the machinery they need to clear the roads. That's been a, another big part they're keeping away from, because uh, last year thousands died in Britain, for instance, because they could not afford the fuel. Uh, mainly pensioners, but not all pensioners either. And, of course, the same will happen this year as they go into this terrible, terrible mess. Uh, they even have to pull out the army because they've done so many cutbacks for austerity measures, you understand, in equipping the road guys and so on. Plus, uh, to be honest with you too, it's such a corrupt system right down to the local level. There's more money goes into the pockets of certain people. than ever end up uh, as gravel on the road. It says here we might start with the strange affair of the Cornbury Review. Shortly after Philip Hammond became Transport Secretary last May, he commissioned David Cornbury, a former head of the Strategic Rail Authority, to look into how we might avoid a repeat of last year's uh, winter's disruption. In July and again in October, Cornbury produced two reports on the, the resilience of England's transport system in winter. Sounds very British, resilience. Uh, I guess just wave a flag in the snow melts. And at the start of this month, after our first major snowfall, Mr. Quarmby and his two colleagues were asked to produce an audit of their earlier findings. The essence of their message was that they had consulted the Met Office. As I said before, you'll, you'll never get truth out of guys that, that were ostensibly weathermen who are not getting paid big bucks and grants to tell lies. they got too much to lose and go back to, you know, doing two or three part-time jobs instead. Anyway, it says, which advised them that despite two harsh winters in succession, these were random events, and the chances of which, after a long previous run of mild winters, were only 20 to 1. Similarly, they were told in the summer, the odds against a third such winter were still only 20 to 1, so it might not be wise to spend billions of pounds preparing for another random event, when its likelihood was so small. Following this logic, if the odds against a hard winter two years ago were only 20 to 1, it might have been thought that the odds against a third such random event were not 20 to 1, but 20 times 20 times 20, or 8,000 to 1. What seems completely to have passed Mr. Quarmby by, however, is the fact that in these past three years, the Met Office's forecasting record has become a national joke, and it is a national joke. Ever since it predicted a summer warmer and drier than average in 2007, followed by some of the worst floods in living memory, its forecasts have been so unerringly wrong that even the chief advisor to a transport secretary might have noticed. The Met Office forecasts of warmer than average summers and winters have been so consistently at 180 degrees to the truth that earlier this year it concluded that it was dropping seasonal forecasting. Hence, last week the Met Office issued a categorical denial to the Global Warming Policy Foundation that it had made any forecasts for this winter. Immediately, however, several blogs led by Autonomous Mind produced an evidence from the Met Office website that in October it did indeed publish a forecast for December, January and February. This indicated that they would be significantly warmer than last year, and there was only a very much smaller chance of average or below average temperatures. The Met Office has not only been caught out yet again, getting it horribly wrong, Always in the same direction. It was even prepared to deny it had said such a thing at all. Why don't they fire them all? Eh? Why don't they just fire all these these liars? It says the real question, however, is why has the Met Office become so astonishingly bad at doing the job for which it paid nearly two hundred million pounds a year? Amazing, two hundred million pounds to tell the weather always wrong. In a way, which has become so. so, so Uh, Stupendously damaging to your country The answer is that in the past 20 years As can be seen from its website The Met Office has been hijacked from its proper role To become wholly subservient To its obsession with global warming At one time it even changed its name To the Met Office for weather and climate change This all began When its then director John Houghton Became one of the world's most influential promoters Of the warmest gospel And it is a gospel as you all know This is he more than anyone else was responsible for setting up the UN's intergovernmental panel on climate change and remained at the top of it for 13 years. So he was well paid for telling lies. It says here, It was he who, in 1990, launched the Met Office's Hadley Centre for Climate Change, closely linked to the Climatic Research Unit in East Anglia. they other big liars. At the centre of last year's Climate Gate Row, which showed how the little group of scientists at the heart of the IPCC had been prepared to bend their data and to suppress any dissent from warming orthodoxy. The reason why the Met Office gets its forecast so hopelessly wrong is that they are based on the same computer models on which the IPCC itself relies to predict the world's climate in 100 years' time. They can't even get tomorrow's forecast, right? Eh? They are programmed an assumption that as CO2 rises, it's an assumption, right? So temperatures must inexorably follow. For 17 years this seemed plausible because the world did appear to be getting warmer. we all became familiar with was warmer winters and earlier springs, which the warmers were quick to exploit to promote their message. That's because they forgot they were all predicting in the 70s it was going to freeze to death, right? That's when Dr. David Veneer of the CRU famously predicted uh, to The Independent in 2000 that within a few years winter snowfall will be a very rare and exciting event. Now, last year, that article from 10 years ago was the most viewed item on the independence website. But in 2007, the computer models got caught out, failing to predict a temporary plunge in global temperatures of 0.7 centigrade, more than the net warming of the 20th century. Much of the Northern Hemisphere suffered what was called in North America the, the winter from hell. Even though temperatures did rise again in the winter of 2008-9, to this happened again only worse. The Met Office simply went into denial. A senior climate change officer, Peter Scott, said in March 2009, "The trend towards milder winters was likely to continue. This was this would not be another winter like 1962-3 for 1,000 years or more. Last winter was colder still, and now we have another even more savage random event for which we are even less prepared." The Taxpayers' Alliance revealed last week that councils have actually ordered less salt this winter than last. They're they're so corrupt, though, these local councils and and regional councils. The consequences of all this are profound. Those who rule over our lives have been carried off into cloud cuckoo land, for which no one was more responsible than the zealots at the Met Office, subordinating all it does to their dotty belief system. Significantly, its chairman, Robert Napier, is not a weatherman but a climate activist, previously head of WWF UK, one of the leading warmest campaigning groups and so they are, same with the newspapers too they have climate, what's a climate specialist as a field journalist that scratches his living as a hurrah person for the group it says at one, of, uh, at one end of this colossal diversion of national resources permeating every level of government and it has permeated every level of government, this religion we have the hapless Mr Quarmbi, who feels obliged to follow mid Office and advise that the President freeze is a random event, and calls for no special responses, with the results we see on every side. At the other, fixated by the same belief system, we have our Climate Change Secretary, Chris Hume. And why have you got a Climate Change Secretary? Eh? Hoping we can somehow keep our lights on and our economy running by spending hundreds of billions of pounds on thousands of more windmills. Ah. More than once in the past, week as, our power, uh, week as our power stations have been thrashed away beyond normal peak the power demand. The contribution of wind turbines has been so small that it has registered 0%. And it's these electricity trading arrangements, such as Google's net electricity summary page, and find the table of source by fuel type. At the heart of all this greeny uh, make-believe that has our political class in its thrall has been the hijacking of the Met Office from its proper role. It's no longer just a national joke. It's turned into a national catastrophe. And ain't that the truth? But it's the same in every country because you see what they failed to mention here. There's a social, there's a social agenda at work to change the world. And that's how they got the European Union up and going. They set up Supposedly economic um, advisors across the countries And then once they started getting money going into the EU Just for free trade, you understand They kept telling the people They were setting up massive bureaucracies Because, you see, free trade took care of all economy And if you run the economy Everything to do with the economy make sure laws You end up as a concerted, unified group Under a new system Back with more after this Hi, folks. We're back, and we're cutting through the matrix. Just to follow on from that last article, though, I was talking about how they got the EU Parliament up and going, and they did it again through uh, economics and giving money to, before it was a parliament, to this commission. They called it a commission And what they did with the cash was set up massive bureaucracies in every country that tied all their economic laws together. If you tie up all your economic laws together, you don't have a country anymore. You have a new entity, and that's where the money from Cancun is going. It's going into every country to set up a massive bureaucracy that will deal with all your economics because everything's to do with supposedly pollution and production and all the rest of it and carbon output, and yada, 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 and out of that will come, really, uh, the, the big arm, if not the world government, will be the big arm of the world government. That's what the money's all for. They know it's a con. They all know it's a con. I've read the articles here from many of the big players admitting that it's a con. Like McClelland in Canada, who is in the, the federal government, who said, it doesn't matter if the, bogus of the science of global warming is all bogus, she said that will help to shape equality and put equality across the world. This is what they mean by the little terms. What they mean by equality doesn't mean what you think of. These are little terms they use in the globalist socialist society. Now, Denmark here gives away $7 billion USD, or 2% of its GDP, to carbon credit traders. This is quite a good one, actually, because the first one's in on the act, or the conment. It says here... The Danish tax authority has been robbed blind by a carbon trading scandal that has rocked the market for carbon offsets. While the story uh, saw some press a year ago, significantly higher losses have since been reported and the MSM has ignored the story. The Danish auditor general is on the case now as the scope of the crime has become obvious and grown exponentially since it was first reported. Originally discussed as a quasi small time dollar scam, I remember at the time. The reality a year later is a lot larger. Europol is estimating a value on the case of 30 billion kroners, and the values seem to keep going up. Connie Hedegaard, then the Climate and Energy Minister for Denmark. I mean, as I say, when did we get these Climate and Energy Ministers? It's, it's, like, it's a new religion. It's like having a high priest in your parliament, isn't it? That, that waves a censor in front of you if you're something, and, and reads palms, you know. But it says for Denmark, is now the EU Climate Commissioner. That's great. You see how they have a career in this? Uh, While she was with the Danish government, she helped set up and manage a system where there were no background checks on the listings of permitted traders. This removal of identification was done even though the the EU requires at least passports. This helped a group of fake rogue traders set up a a, a program that looted the Danish economy for up to 2% of its GDP and lost value-added tax. Here's how it says, The Denmark CO2 Permit Registry was set up with extremely lax rules and regulations, possibly intentionally. Eh, could very well be. In 2007, Ms. Hidegard removed the requirement for identification. In a very short period of time, traders figured out the loopholes and started to back up the proverbial truck. How? To put assembly, you could round rob, uh, robin CO2 credits, booking the VAT as a bonus each time was well, painfully obvious that over 1,100 of the 1,256, or about 88%, of the registered traders listed in the system were bogusly set up for fraudulent activity. The traders have since been delisted as the scope of the crime becomes obvious. The fake but registered traders used, used made up unique addresses for their businesses. In one famous case, a trader was listed as trading out of a parking lot in London. In another, the trader took the name of a dead Pakistani national. The fraud centered on the use of value-added tax as a mechanism to generate real non-taxed cash flow. An international trader would buy VAT free credits from one nation and then resell them to a VAT added customer in a second nation, pocketing as much as 25% of the cost of the trade as a personal commission. The trader then kept the value-added tax difference in lieu of selling in the VAT to the necessary tax system, effectively uh, arbitraging the VAT system. And it says that this trade uh, was coined a carousel as the traders would re-export the credits, the credits claiming the value-added tax, only to re-import their credits and reselling them again with a new VAT assignment. They could wash, rinse, and repeat bookings up to 25% value-added tax in the process each time but that'll be happening in other countries too because the whole of europe you see once they amalgamate you they was bringing a value-added tax in canada they call it the general sales tax put in brian Mulroney, uh lion brian they used to call him and uh he said that it was to help pay off the national debt when he left he did he was honest he says not one penny went to pay off any national debt but uh apparently when the unify the the Americas as well, they want a GST uh, but I don't know how they'll get it into the States, it's maybe not time yet so VAT and GST is just the same kind of thing and it's causing mayhem even in Canada the GST, try to post something and it's a different uh, tax for each province you send it to now in Canada too, most people don't know it, there are exemptions from vaccinations and it's almost, but it's the same sort of exemptions you'd use in the military if you get called up for the military. It says vaccinations are not mandatory in Canada, and this is from Vaccination, uh, vaccination Risk Awareness Network. They're not mandatory in Canada, unlike some countries. Immunisation is not mandatory. It cannot be made mandatory because of the Canadian Constitution. It's it's a bill. It's actually it's not really called the Constitution. But anyway, it says three provinces require proof of immunization for school entrants. That's Ontario, New Brunswick, all this music coming in. I'll read these off because you've got to know what they are to get your children exempt. Back with more after this.
2: You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
1: Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix talking about vaccinations and exemptions because a lot of folks have been writing to me about them in the States and elsewhere and Canada too. And I'm putting a, a link up tonight to a site which gives you some, um, some data on what to do and so on for Canada. But it says here, it says three provinces require proof of immunization for school entrance, Ontario and New Brunswick for diphtheria, tetanus, polio, measles, mumps and rubella. Manitoba for measles, but exemptions are permitted on medical or religious grounds and reasons of conscience. That's the same as a military, isn't it? If in wartime, you're drafted. Legislation and regulations must not be interpreted to imply compulsory immunization. And that came out with a report, Immunization Canada, May 4th, 1997. And I'll put the link for that too. And Canadian National Report on Immunization 1996. This means that nobody in Canada can be forced to receive a vaccination, in some cases, nursery schools, daycares, and other schools, which are privately owned and operated, can demand vaccination for enrollment, but publicly funded schools and daycares cannot. Furthermore, Canadian medical law clearly states that healthcare recipients must be informed of all significant risks posed by any invasive medical procedure that carries a risk of injury or death. Vaccination is such a procedure. Every Canadian must have received and understood all the information that is pertinent to the vaccinations to which they consent. Now, how many of them bother to? How many doctors tell you or nurses? They don't even know themselves. Then there's legal exemptions and forms and so on. In an Ontario, uh, an exemption form must be notarized by one of a notary public or a lawyer or a commissioner of oath. The latter is usually accessible at any municipal building, and it's a lot cheaper, too. And uh, I've got a bunch of links, too, for you to look up and for your own information on more and more and more of this. But in the States, too, it happens, you have these exemptions. Most folk don't know it, and uh, I've had some amazing um, correspondence from people on their correspondence to the authorities that want them to be immunized, and... uh, when they say religious grounds, they come back at you and ask you if your belief system is in keeping with uh, your minister, your priest, or your rabbi. In other words, they're trying to find out if you're just an oddball, it won't go along, uh, and they're trying to play religion and, and uh, theology with you, your knowledge in theology and so on. But uh, you, can, you can simply keep them running in circles for a while and waste their time until they give up. Because you are allowed, um, it's your body. If you, if you're not in charge of your own body, uh, then you, you don't have the right. You're a slave. You understand? You're a slave. If someone else owns you, when governments can say you must do this, an injection is an invasive, it still comes under invasive surgery. Something's been stuck into your body. It doesn't have to be a scalpel and something else pumped into it. All that foreign matter, you know, from aborted fetuses and, Bits of chickens and pigs and all the rest of it all mushed together Which they call a science But it's up to you if you want to get these or not And, uh, and Britain in fact have just uh, announced that 67%, almost 70% of people last year in Britain got the flu shot Including the swine flu added into it And it's got the same amount of folk with flu this year as last year of course, the excuse for that is well, if everyone got it it's 100%, you see, there'd be no flu at all, which is rubbish because it tells you out in the package it can't be guaranteed to stop you getting the flu. Anyway, there's Clint from Ontario on the line. Are you there, Clint? I'm Hello. Uh, thanks for taking my call
0: again. Yes. Uh, quickly, I'll just talk about the uh, the vaccine. Uh form here, since you're on the uh, subject, I have one of those myself, like a while ago, and and what it is, the Statement of Conscience and Religious Belief Affidavit, Mm -hmm. and it's from the uh, Immunization of School Pupils Act of Ontario from 1990, Mm -hmm. and uh, I got this form, it's from the Ministry of Long-Term Healthcare, and again, like you said, you have to get it notarized from the notary public, which I have done so for myself and my son, Mm -hmm. uh, because these vaccines are more more than likely going to be made mandatory. Yeah. But I have a couple of quick questions I just want to ask you about and then I'll hang up and let you speak. But uh it has things to do with uh the past weekend here of Christmas. Mm-hmm. Now I wanna ask you about Saturnalia, which I'm mm-hmm. sure you might be able to tell us about. Uh where where do you think Prince William, Prince Willie was over the weekend? Uh, as you know, he was away from his family. They said he was on some flight mission or something, but I'm sure there's more to it than that. It, would that be involved with Saturnalia, or was he involved in some sort of ritual on that day? And there's uh, the new species that were found in Siberia, in that cave. Mm-hmm. I'd like to hear your take on those, if you can. And uh, as I got you on the phone, I'd like to wish you a Happy New Year.
1: before same uh, to you. the day yeah.
0: comes. Okay, Alan, thanks. Have a good night.
1: Right. Yeah, I, I don't know about the, the new species they found. I haven't looked into that, but... Um, I do know uh, that the royalty, they do have the special times for upping them into the higher uh, lodges, as they call them. You understand, too, the Duke of Kent, traditionally, is the head of all, the Grand Lodge of England, and he's the Queen's cousin. And they do like to get their boys into it. But it also, there's also one particular realm of masonry where you're, you're jacked up there according to the age that you hit as well. And remember, too, they're sussed out. Everyone's sussed out to get into the higher knowledge. Uh, because you can get someone who's not terribly bright, like Prince Charles, and who can, might, they might let something slip out the bag. You couldn't quite trust him, so he wouldn't get too far. He got to the 40th degree on his 40th birthday, and that was celebrated in front of a crowd in England. I remember watching it on television, and he put his arm, of course, in the, in, in the square, and then held it out to the public, and they're all lords uh, with their robes on, and they all applauded like crazy, then he drank his wine. But uh, something will be happening uh, with uh, the rest of them, too. There's no doubt about it. When you see the inaugurations they have there for royalty, when you see uh, the queen sitting on a raised dais, and these guys standing round her, um, it's reminiscent of the ancient times of Nimrod. In fact, even the ermine cloak they wear with the red in it, too. By the way, that's where Santa comes from. In reality, it wasn't Coca-Cola at all. Because look at the, the, the lords from the 1800s. They wore the, the Santa Claus suits, and that was just a robe that were red. But around the, the fur collar, it's ermine, and it's black and white. And you'll see that in the same etchings of uh, the depictions of Nimrod in ancient times. So no one's ever explained to me why we have uh, sort of ancient systems going all the way back to Nimrod, um, practiced in Westminster Abbey or elsewhere where they happened to go into to have their inaugurate, inaugurate, inaugurations. So something will be happening, I have no doubt, this this winter. They do love um, the rebirth. This is the rebirth time. And this is the time when the sun hangs on the cross for three days before it starts rising again. And uh, this is their big, big uh, party time. Uh, it's the same time of year too. They used to go into groves in ancient times. And um, I have no doubt that more of that will be going on as well. But we'll never get the whole truth. That's why they keep all this stuff secretive. And, but the brighter ones in their whole family will get upstairs Even Prince Philip isn't too bright He's got a habit of of, of uh, uh, nipping at the bottle And he comes out with crazy statements Like the British uh, people are far lazier than the Germans And this is from a Prussian speaking Who was kicked out of Greece um, By by the people of Greece They didn't want him ruling over them there either uh, But instead had an awful cushion life on it But he can't be trusted So he won't get terribly high on the totem pole Neither will Charles So they're looking for fresh blood to get up there uh, into the higher realms of of reality and understanding. Now, there's also um, Charles from Toronto. you there, Charles?
2: Good evening, Alan. How are you?
1: Not too bad.
2: Great. Um, You often say that people uh, uh, comment that you are too dark or you don't come across with with the upside and i i appreciate your particular form of what i call reality therapy because we, we don't get it from too many places but my question to you tonight is this are there issues that you will not go into because you feel they are too dark for the public to hear or areas that you feel may be personally dangerous if you start speaking about them i know Catherine austin Fitz, who does a lot of good work Says mm-hmm. that uh, uh, there's a certain way that she has to speak about things without bringing more uh, um, a, da- a danger uh, you know, repercussions upon herself. At least that's how I've interpreted. And she's been asked mm-hmm. to go into greater depth, but she hasn't dealt with that issue. So mm-hmm. I'm curious to hear what you may have to say.
1: Well, there's no doubt at all. Even to get the public up to the stage, I've managed to expose today to them uh took a preparatory phase. you got to prepare them and their minds from where they've been with the regular conspiracies and all the rest of it into the harsher realities without breaking them all together. In other words, you want want to lead them up without putting them off and and show them how bleak it really is Uh, because if you want to understand an enemy, you must understand all of the enemy and and not just the parts that don't seem so dangerous Um, That took a lot of time and preparation on their minds to get them step by step ready for the harsh reality of living in a controlled society where every every little escape hatch that you thought was out there for you literally has been welded shut. And um, that's not a pleasant thing to impart to people at all. Uh, and, of course, you, you take a lot of uh, hammering, too. People will say, oh, you're a downer, you're not. Well, I, I said years ago on a show, 10 years ago or 11, I said I will never be a cheerleader for the public. <laughs> you understand? I won't tell them the bad news and say, but don't worry, i will all be fine in the end. Um, the public, for the, as far as the public's is concerned, they have to come to the decisions one by one. And I don't think there's ever been an age in history where the majority of the public have ever acted in unison for any cause whatsoever. To be honest with you, I really don't. And it was the same during the American Revolution. Only 3% did anything about it. The rest of them were bystanders. A few of them may have helped contribute some cash and stuff, but most of them stood by and let things happen, watched their farms get burned down and their women raped and all the rest of it. Um, it takes a minority of people with the information uh, to go forward with it and... Um, and be a nuisance to the governments. It, there's, there's nothing I you can do right now Is except be a nuisance to the government who know. You understand there's an old saying it says pick your battles.
2: Yes.
1: And it means you also pick your battlefield, not just the battle, but the battlefield and the timing and so on for it. And the government, yeah, the government up till now has always been the one in charge of picking the battlefields. Always. If people want to demonstrate in public, they must get a license. They must put the date down. And it's a year or nay is given to them if they can or they cannot. And uh, you can get fined for going down the road with a placard, for instance, without a license. Um, We don't have freedom as such. And we allow the governments themselves, with their incredible lying to the public, as they guide us along like sheep. They are good shepherds, and we are the sheep, you see. Um, They're guiding us into a world of what they call austerity. And that's another nice term for bringing you down to a poverty level. And that's from food, medicine, that's all the way down. That's the world they're bringing in for you. And they do know. They do know As we've been doing away with the farmers in Canada here for 50 years. They've been putting them under. Um, they do know that they're bringing in a food shortage eventually too. And it will be on their terms. And they will announce it's a crisis when they're ready for it. They've again picked the battlefield for it. And the public themselves have been so fragmented at the bottom. There's a lot of fake ones out there at the bottom, too, all fighting for for the same communist ideology uh, that the big boys want them to fight for because it ties in with this new system. But um, the public have never picked their own battlefield or stood up with any unanimity against anything that the government plans to bring down. And they will bring in um, famine eventually. That I'm not kidding you about this. It's not... Uh, nay saying it 's not being a, a nasty fortune teller uh, i 've read their articles i 've read the cfr 's articles i 've put the links up to the council of Relations' own website where for fifteen or sixteen years they 've had hundreds of their own people working on the coming food shortage
2: sure
1: and yeah, so I mean, it- it's all you know, out there.
2: You just have to be willing to look at it, and a lot of people actively resist. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not that people don't know, it's that people actively don't want to know. Yes, and yes. And that's, that's the issue. So finding that 3% or that 5% of people who have the capacity, for whatever reason, to acknowledge it is mm-hmm. a large part of the battle. But there's no topic that's too... Too far out, there are too dangerous, but like for instance, if you were to talk about it that would uh, bring their censure in on you much quicker, I, I know they give you problems with your downloads and so on, mm-hmm. but there 's nothing where you thought it, it might just shut you down right away.
1: oh, there are a few things
2: yeah. I, I assume there would be, mm-hmm. I assume because your erudition is so broad there 's got to be a few things
1: yeah oh, absolutely and and you really can 't talk about them and um it'd be so easy to, to be stirred up into being a leader, for instance, and saying um, the wrong thing, and and immediately I'd be off. That would be it. Um, and, of course, you can't tell talk about a lot of the big players and organizations either that you do know about that, that are not talked about much uh, or at all, um, because, once again, that's uh, certain things under official Secrets Acts, and you're not supposed to have found any of this stuff out. So... Right. Um, you know, uh, uh, there, yeah, there are definitely things which would shut you down immediately, yeah. yeah.
2: Well, thank you for your work, and uh, I uh, ask everybody to continue to contribute to you because you're a very valuable resource to us all. Well,
1: thanks for calling, and thanks for that, too, because, yeah, I really do need uh, financial help. I really do, and it costs a lot of cash to do what I'm doing here, and uh, I'm getting fed up with the shaking the tin cup, you know, to be honest with you, and keeping the advertisers off, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. But uh, thanks for calling, yeah. But yeah, and it's been a hard, hard slog bringing people up to, without putting them off, but step by step until more of them are able to understand in a higher level than they've ever understood before. And I have. When I started with the Patriot Movement, as they called it that time, they, I was so fed up listening to them navel-gazing and stuck with their, looking at their belly buttons, they didn't realize the big pincer movement on the whole planet working Together, worldwide, to bring in a world system. And I did manage to change uh, all of that with, uh, on the shows with Rolly James and James and so on, uh, and discuss it for the first time. Yeah. But, uh, thanks for calling, Charles. Thank you. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a hard, hard slog and you tear your hair out, believe you me, at times, um, wondering how to put something across to the public. Uh, without demolishing them. You don't want to demolish the spirit. They're already getting enough of that with the coming austerity and all the rubbish that's getting foisted on them with the, with, um, eventually, remember, Agenda 21, there will be no cars on the road that are privately owned. And meanwhile, you're going to pay literally for every bit of food you eat for, for carbon taxes or oh, took so much carbon to produce that, you know, and, and artificial manure and so on, fertilizer. And every item that you buy will be tacked on with carbon taxes to this massive, massive global government. And we mustn't forget that's the real intentions behind the carbon taxes and, and the so-called global warming, is to get massive funding from the public to set up massive bureaucracies across the world tied together, dealing with all economy, and that is effectively a world government. And that's how they did it with the European Union. They want one technique. world
2: culture too, right, where we all think the same way, right?
1: All think the same way, and it's a never-ending story. It's not just once we're all thinking the same way. They literally do plan. They do plan to breed special types of categories of workers and people exactly the same as was as in, in the Brave New World. They literally have discussed this at the top, and uh, again, that'll be the last thing they want to tell you. Uh, they'll go under genetic enhancement. They're already using that. They're, they're using the term genetic enhancement for women to, to choose what they think are going to be specially ordered children. And I even know someone who, who some people who've ordered them and had it done. I'm back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix And I'm going to put links up tonight too on The Dumbing Down of America It's a short video, I think And it's based on Cheryl, uh, Cheryl uh, Isabee's book Charlotte, I should say And um, it's a short one, but uh, even the book itself worth reading How it's deliberately put into effect New system of dumbing down the children Who feel great about themselves, but they can't spell or think And they have no critical reasoning ability That's how you get a society that's going to be happy and egosyntonic and narcissistic and and be quite happy regardless of what's happening around them. And that's why they've got them today. And so I'll put that one up too and also put up this one here. Years ago I wrote a poem uh, about the the greatest uh, capitalists were the communists because I knew the agenda and the Rees Commission and Norman Dodd and so on. Uh, when they said they'd join the two systems together. And it's happened. It's happened. It was always planned that way. The two must come together under the dialectic process. And you need an enemy, so they created the, the Soviet system and the Chinese system. Fresh humiliation for Eurozone as China says it will bail out debt written nations. And it says um, China Premier Wen Jebo offered to buy Greek bonds in October, and the country has also agreed to buy Portuguese debt. Now, it's still a communist, technically a communist country. It's actually more fascist, uh, but but not all systems by nature are fascist. And to even have a business in China, you must go to the Politburo and join them, and and you pay your way up there, Uh, obviously from all your profit. You have to pay an awful lot back to the Politburo. And the government technically still owns the biggest plants in the country. But it says here... um, China says it's going to bail out debt-ridden countries in the Eurozone using its $2.7 trillion overseas investment fund. In the fresh humiliation for Europe, Foreign Ministry spokesman Jiang Yu said it was one of the most important areas for China's foreign exchange investments. The country is already approaching struggling European countries with financial aid, including offering to buy Greece's debt in October and promising to buy $4 billion worth of Portuguese government debt. If have any discernible effect, China will have to buy a lot more than 5 billion euros if they expect to have any impact on the negative sentiment surrounding Europe, said Michael Hewson, currency analysis, analysis at the CMC markets. Do you realize how farcical the whole thing is with the communist capitalist stuff? It always was, you know. It always was. Utterly farcical. Farcical. Because the US, the whole debt is owned by China. Why would you let supposedly, supposedly, if it were true, right, your worst enemy, that that, that actually an antithesis to your system, own all of your debt? Hmm? It's such a joke. But that's just what they give us for news, isn't it? An utter joke. China did not come up by its bootstraps because it suddenly had a lust for material goods. It was brought up by the World Trade Organization pumping your bucks in and then the GATT Treaty that allowed all your plants to move over to China and your tax money that funded them moving over there and setting up the the big factories, you know, everything's made in China. But again, too, that was also the old Soviet model or ideal. You'd have one plant literally making shoes, one plant making something else, and that is the system you're coming in. And eventually you'll have one outlet for all of your food. The, the United Nations has already said that from their Department of Agriculture. They'll dish it out to you. And you will reduce your population because you'll be rationed, you see. It's up to you how you bring your population down. That was also said at the UN. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your God's go with you.